When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Myself Chakras, episode 146. God created time so everything wouldn't happen at once. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, action takers? AJ here, your friend, your host, and your fellow action taker. And we are back on this magnificent journey called life. We are on episode 146 today, Action Tribe, and we have crossed half a million downloads. So I'd like to thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on this journey with me. I'm so grateful for the fact that we have people listening in from so many places. Vancouver, Toronto, Mumbai, Los Angeles, and London, to name a few. But what really inspires me is that we have a growing listenership in places like Afghanistan, Iran, Syria and Egypt as well. The truth of the matter is that it's relatively easier to access information about yoga, meditation or Qigong in major cities like Singapore or New York and Vancouver. But in smaller cities, it's really hard to get access to such ancient wisdom. But thanks to the internet, thanks to iTunes, thanks to technology, today people in smaller cities can get inspired, get motivated and embark on their very own human revolution. So I'm really grateful for that. So my question to you today is, at this moment, the person who is listening to this show, to you, if you've been listening to our show for a while now and have been quiet so far, shoot me an email right now. Say hi and tell me what is your goal in life. My address is aj at my 7 That's aj at my 7 So don't be silent any longer. It's your time to shine. It's your time to express your true voice. And with that, we are now ready to bring you our featured guest for today, Jeff Harmon. So Jeff, are you ready to inspire? Yes, I am. And thanks for having me on. That's amazing. So Jeff, Harman has been an astrologer for four decades, utilizing a variety of systems, including traditional or classical Western astrology, Vedic astrology, Kabbalistic astrology, and astro-location astrology. Jeff spent 10 years in Beverly Hills and has a remarkable client base and data bank of thousands of case studies. Jeff Harman discusses the history and modern applications of medical astrology, which was taught in European medical universities until the 18th century. It is still a part of Eastern medicine in India and China. So Jeff, I've told Action Tribe a bit about you, but take about a minute and tell us more about your amazing story. Well, my, my story actually started back in the 70s, um, and I owe much, much, much debt to my mother because when I was very young, um, I used to see medical astrology, and this is in the 60s, sitting around um, mm-hmm. on the table. My mother was a nurse. Uh, she started out as a practical nurse and then uh, moved to an RN, and later she became a specialist in hemodialysis, which of course was for the kidneys. And what happened, 
happened is I didn't think much of any of this because I really didn't understand it until the mid 70s. I was driving and then I was starting to date and I had girlfriends and my mother began to uh, peg my girlfriends so accurately. I said, mm. what are you doing? I said, this isn't mother's intuition. You must be doing something here. And she says, yes, I do their astrology. And she would get get the astrology. And it was amazingly accurate. And I said, well, I want to learn this. And I was actually quite skeptical. Mm -hmm. And then the more I got it, because back in those days, I was very scientific. I was very into music and electronics and mm. physics and acoustics and all that. Um, and I, I didn't really believe that astrology was possible. And I think a lot of people in today's modern world are in the same place. It's like, how could the planets out there so far and distant have any possible effect on us in this world of technology and all of the things that are going on? So the more I studied it, the more to my amazement, I saw that it was exceedingly accurate. And that started me on a journey which um, has never ended. And uh, I can tell you in the 80s, it was just for me an explosion. And then in the 90s, I hit a Mercury dosha. Now, for anyone who doesn't know what a dosha is, that's a time period in Sanskrit or in Hindi language. And um, that's one of the things unique to Vedic astrology, also known as Jyotisha, is the way in which it shows how karma unfolds. You asked me to give you one of my favorite inspirational quotes. And I have a few, many by Mother Teresa, who I had the opportunity to actually work with, Mother Teresa, back in the late 70s, early 80s. And um, But Gandhi said two quotes that I love. And one is, he said, karma was created basically as the unfoldment. And when God created the law of karma, he could sit back and just let humans explore. And the other one Gandhi said was, God created time so everything wouldn't happen at once. And I love those two quotes mm -hmm. because it's really true when you study Jyotisha. Jyotish is a Sanskrit-derived word which actually means the science of the light of the soul. And I was very attracted to some of the Vedantic uh, philosophies uh, that come from very ancient times in India and Tibet. And I think the reason why is the very fact that it was about the soul's journey. And today in astrology, you'll hear someone's a Pisces or they're an Aries or they'll call themselves their sun sign. And that was a much later derivative that actually happened in the 1800s. And to me, that's really demeaning to the human soul because we're not our astrology. We may have actually created the astrology we are currently experiencing by karmas. And if you believe the possibility that we've existed before mm -hmm. in a reincarnation, which I absolutely do, then we have direct responsibility for maybe why we have incarnated with the parents, the siblings, and the people we interact with in relationships through our lives. And it makes sense and much more sense when you view life from a lesson and an experience rather than as a victim. And I think that's what Joe Tisha really taught me was we have an active part in not only our destiny, but also how we experience energy coming at us, which really is very empowering rather than being a victim and being told you're just a sun sign and you can never be any more than that. You know, so rather than being fatalistic, it was, it was really a, a, a conscious, expanding uh, philosophical journey for me. And I think the, the interesting thing about astrology for me is I never pursued it. Mm -hmm. um, it pursued me. And I, I had a studio uh, doing industrial films 
and commercials and music commercials for years. And then I ended up migrating to Los Angeles uh, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. And astrology was always a parallel in my life. And I got so busy with it in the 90s that it became almost a full-time thing. And and right now I have a, a small motion picture company where we do feature films and, and some industrial stuff. But um, I get so busy with astrology with so many clients all over the world that, that I, I find uh, it's really always there in my life. And I enjoy it because I help mm-hmm. people. And, and that's, I think, what keeps me sticking with it is if it can help someone see direction in their life without drugs or, you know, self-destructive measures that so many of us can fall into. And it gives people hope and direction. That to me is is really exceedingly valuable. So firstly, I love the quote that you shared, God created time. So everything wouldn't happen at once. The you action tribe, there's a present, there's a past, and then there's a future. That's right. So thanks a lot for sharing that. And with that, let's dive in. What is your definition of medical astrology? Medical astrology is a, is a really interesting term because when you really analyze what it is, it's a diagnostic tool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not only a diagnostic tool, but it's also another way at which to administer in time particular treatments. Now, today, I cannot practice medicine. I cannot give people medical advice, sure. but I'm astounded at how many people ask me what the energetic imbalances are. And what I think is more astounding is how accurate it is. There's several types of astrology used in quote-unquote medical astrology. One of the better-known types is called Ayurvedic astrology. Many people may have heard of Ayurveda, which is the study, just like in Chinese medicine as well, where we look at the strengths and weaknesses of certain pulses and certain attributes. And the main attributes in Ayurveda are, of course, Vata, Pitta, and Kapha types. Well, what's not been as well known is the Ayurvedic astrology. When you look at your Vedic or Jyotisha chart, you can see in the birth chart certain imbalances and strengths and weaknesses. And these can change. Some people are very robust. They won't ever have any problems. They live their lives even drinking and smoking and probably live to be 90. Other people, for some strange reason, who really live a very, you know, regimented diet, they have they have a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. And this is very well shown in Jyotish astrology. So you have that type of astrology, which is basically what you came in with, the constitutional makeup of your energies. And I think that last word I just used, energies, is the key. Allopathic medicine, which is what is primarily used by Western scientific medicine, is the study of science. And it's very good. Allopathic doctors, of course, can analyze chemicals. They can look at lab test reports. They can look at MRIs today. Amazing stuff. They can go into you, look with microscopes, uh, dyes, and, and just fantastic science. But primarily, it's looking at what is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's primarily focused on conditions that exist in the body at this time. And they certainly do look at causal effects. I mean, they're, they're very smart in terms of what could be causing. Ayurvedic astrology or quote-unquote medical astrology from antiquity 
has not looked at results. They've more looked at causes. So for instance, someone may go to the doctor and say, oh my God, I've got cancer. Well, the doctor will analyze the skin or whatever it is that it is. And they'll come back and say, yes, you have you know a malignant tumor or you have cancer present in a particular area of the body. So that's what is. An Ayurvedic astrologer or doctor might say, well, wait a minute, what caused this cancer? What got you to here? What do you, what energetic imbalance is it? Are you too acidic? You know, are you too um, hot? Are you too cool? So the approach in astrology is is a lot different than Western science, or you could say allopathic medicine is probably the better term. And when I look back in history, and this is probably one of the most fascinating journeys that I've been on. Ever since the mid-1980s, there was a book that came out of England known um, to many people as uh, William Lilly's Christian astrology. And he was the last of the great court astrologers. Um, When I say court, I'm talking when we had emperors and kings throughout the Middle Ages, all the way back to the great dynasties in Egypt, ancient Egypt, and of course, the same thing in China and and, uh, many of the Asian and Indian country uh, areas, um, you had court astrologers. And what that meant is that this astrologer was in the king's court, and they would consult Mm -hmm. the astrologer on many things in terms of war. They would uh, consult him on, you know, beneficial things, weddings, coronations, timing to commence important events, build buildings. And this stuff has actually gone on even in the United States up until the 1700s. The United States Capitol in Washington, D.C. was actually done by a Masonic architect out of France, and they started and commenced all this at very specific astrological times. This is known as Mahurta in India. In the West, we call it electional astrology. So where does this fit into medical astrology? Well, one of the most powerful types of astrology is divinational. Rather than looking at the birth chart, they would literally pose a question. Now, in India, that is referred to as prashna. Prashna, Mm -hmm. spelled with a P, is divinational. I'm sick. Why? They would come to the Ayurvedic astrologer or to a uh, Vedantic priest, and they would say, what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. I've been to the doctor. They don't know. And I get this all the time. In fact, I just had a couple of today where people are on medications. They're seeing a doctor, and I tell them, keep seeing the doctor. Many people people become anti-doctor. I say, well, don't do that because the science actually really has some wonderful benefits and you can detect changes. So um, they asked me, what, why have I have this severe muscle tension and, and chronic arthritis? And I said, the a chart shows you're very acidic and that that's tightening the muscles. Now, how did I do that? By casting a chart upon the person's question. And that's called a prashna. In the West, we call it interrogation astrology. Some people call it the Latin term, which means horary astrology, which is a Latinized term for of the moment. So plain English, this is the querent, meaning the person asking the question, is the eastern horizon in astrology. Their ailment is ruled by the sixth house and also the condition of their signifactor. So without getting too technical into astrology, we cast a chart 
for the exact moment that someone asks a question and we look at the geometric placement and aspects of the planets, the houses, and their geometry, and it gives great insight into what is likely to be the problem. Like you can see if it's liver or kidney imbalances, on and on. And what I like about it is it also gives energetic imbalances. And that's the key. And this is where administration in medical astrology, up until probably the 18, I would say 1700s actually, they would cool something with a cooling herb that was hot, or they would Mm -hmm. warm an organ that was cold and not producing properly with a warming herb. So that is so different from today's pharmaceutical world. I know I had a girlfriend who worked at a very large pharmaceutical company, and I had an opportunity during our relationship to see how much science, it takes almost a billion dollars to bring a pharmaceutical drug to market. And sometimes it can take more with all the testing um, and, and screening and FDA approval here in the United States. But that drug can make multi-billion dollars in its marketing. And, you know, one doesn't have to turn on a TV and, and take long to find a, a drug commercial. <laughs> you know, they're they're everywhere. Sure, yeah. And some of these drugs do have benefit. But one of the main complaints is many of them have very detrimental side effects. And I've seen pharmaceuticals do some wonderful things for people short term and long term as well. In fact, many people would have probably not have as long of a life if they didn't have certain medication in their heart, um, you know, issues or blood or what have you. Um, So I, I don't tell people to just you know, become anti-establishment. But there are many people who have also been on these pharmaceuticals and have gotten really sick. So Mm -hmm. there's been a movement, particularly the last 40, 50 years, to explore the naturopathic routes, which is, and Ayurveda is absolutely a goldmine in that area. Um, One of my source books that I use continuously is called The Yoga of Herbs. And of course, that book was published by a very, very well-known and very good Ayurvedic astrologer, which uh, I have it right here in my hand. Uh, Very, very useful. And The Yoga of Herbs addresses how to correct, it was by David Frawley, and of Asant Lad. So mm-hmm. uh, Dr. David Farley, who studied much in India, very, very good. It's, it's an Ayurvedic guide to herbal medicine. And I have to caution people, it's not a good idea in any way to combine herbs with pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals are very powerful. They're very uh, carefully designed with a lot of science in them. And you really can run great danger. If someone's on medication and listening to this program for the heart or the thyroid or what have you, it's really not advisable to start trying herbs while on a medication. You can you can literally have fatal results. Mm-hmm. And I always warn people, I cannot give you medical advice. And if they're going to try some of the suggestions that I might suggest, I advise them not to do that unless they check with their doctor, their pharmacist, or go get a naturopathic doctor. Naturopathic doctors are usually MDs or specialists who have kind of migrated out of allopathy and then moved into. But these are licensed, trained professionals who know the ins and outs of extracting someone off a pharmaceutical and putting them on an herbal regimen, which is, you know, there are some people who really are delicate. And 
I, I always, when I see that in in any case, I always like to mention that because herbs are amazing. They they can really help people long term without the side effects of pharmaceuticals. The problem is some people have certain conditions that they may require pharmaceuticals, and and it's not advisable to be experimenting or at at, at the very. I think the most dangerous thing is combining them. So. Um, I had uh, one client, a very sad story. She um, had a daughter, very young, uh, 19 years old, went into an emergency room, was on a strong sedative, and the doctor didn't check and prescribed her another very strong uh, pain uh, reliever, and it killed her. And, you know, pharmaceuticals on top of other pharmaceuticals are, can be lethal. The same thing can happen with herbs. But with, with that aside, I think Ayurvedic astrology, as well as the Western track of interrogation astrology, is amazing because I've seen it identify at least areas that people can then go discuss with a doctor and take it up. Reflexology is probably one of my favorite techniques, along with Qigong is wonderful. Also, Chinese acupuncture is absolutely amazing. Um, It can open up and unblock meridians. It can open up certain organ flows that is unexplainable by Western allopathic medicine. Um, I myself got into uh, reflexology years ago. I had a cyst that was going to be removed by a doctor. And I said, well, wait a minute, I'm going to try and get rid of this. And I did. I completely got rid of it by opening up the meridians. And and that was 35 years ago and uh, or about 32 years ago. And amazing. I've had uh, motorcycle injuries and horse riding injuries uh, from horseback riding and snowmobiles, etc. And I have really improved the condition Maybe not completely eliminated it, but you know, drastically improved it by using reflexology and breaking up crystals and also herbs too. So love that you spoke about Ayurvedic astrology and the fact that when you look at a Jyotish chart, you can see the pulses and attributes of that very person, which really tells us the constitutional makeup of that person's energy. You spoke about a difference in approach between what is and the root cause of why it is and yes. the importance of asking a prashna or the importance of asking that question right, based right. on which, you know, the astrologer can really diagnose and provide a solution to the challenge that the person is facing. Now, as an astrologer, and you spoke about this a bit, but does the position and distance of a planet or planets really affect us? I, I would say not the distance. What's interesting about astrology, it's, it's an enigma for Western science to analyze it. Um, I think one of the most telling documents is the Upanishads and also in the Kabbalah. There is, if anyone's ever heard of the Tatriyaka Upanishad, there is some very specific information in there. And I always laugh at the modern astronomers. Modern astronomers laugh at astrology because they say, well, wait a minute, the the zodiac does not line up Mm -hmm. at all with the constellations. Well, they're exactly right. Um, Jyotish astrology doesn't even use the same zodiac as Western astrologers. It uses something called a sidereal zodiac. See, mm-hmm. and, and this is fascinating stuff because the ancients are always ridiculed as being, you know, barbaric and bloodletting and all that. And I laugh and I say, well, the Royal Observatory in Britain had done a study on mm-hmm. the ephemerises. And now in India, they call it a panchanga, which means it's literally 
the positions of the planets. They looked at how accurate were ancient astronomers, which, by the way, prior to the 1800s, an astronomer was an astrologer. In fact, that's been very hidden in Western history, where they say, uh, you know, basically Galileo and many of the more westernized uh, famous uh, astronomers were astrologers. They were one and the same. Hmm. Astrology and astronomy were one. They weren't separated until the Darwinism came in in the modern era of these 17th and 18th century, particularly the 18th. Um, But in the Upanishads, it mentions the five layers of the aura. You first have the physical body. Then you have what they call an etheric double. Now, the etheric double is called something different by many people, but essentially it's the next body we go to when we transit this life known as death. Mm -hmm. And um, I always say, there's an old saying, funerals are for the living. Not that we shouldn't honor the dead and bless them, but really the mourning is more for the living because I don't believe anyone dies. There's overwhelming evidence in many areas of psychology, psychiatry, uh, or parapsychology, I should say, um, that, and, and as well as spiritual things that are coming forward that, in my opinion, show we do not die. The body does. So the Upanishads, and these are quite old, um, mention the five layers of the aura. And they actually call planets graha. Graha Mm -hmm. means Caesar or grasper of the aura. Now we find parallels in Egypt. And I'll tell you a place that the parallels are amazing is in the Western biblical Kabbalah, which is what the Judeo-Christian religion basically flowered into. And Mm -hmm. the roots for most Christians, because there's many Christians in the world, there's many Hindus, there's many Muslims, there's many different religions. They all ought to know that there's a spiritual angelic matrix. I always joke around. I say, forget Trinity, Neo, and Morpheus. This is the real (laughs) matrix. (laughs) Because even though it was a wonderful series, um, I think where it fell short was it was just this mechanical, you know, computer. Where when you look at the profound profound spiritual documents that exist in the Gita, that exist in the Western Bible, it's breathtaking how much information has been lost. Um, There was a study done that's actually called the Vedanta and the Torah, done by some professors. I have the book here. And they drew parallels to some of the profound spiritual truths that are exactly the same in ancient India and Tibet and Asia to the Western Kabbalistic Judeo-Christian biblical roots. And when we talk about the five layers of the aura, there's a, in the Tatriyaka Upanishad, there's a parallel precisely to that in something called the Shar HaGilgum, which in Hebrew means the gates of reincarnation. The Shar means gates and HaGilgum means the recycling of the souls. Well, where am I going with all this? When, when you look at astrology and how do the planets affect us, it's an interactive spiritual matrix consciousness that literally is working through spiritual forces known in the West as angels. And of course, in India, we call them deities, but angels, spirits and intelligences. um, There's an ancient legend that says every human being, doesn't matter what your race, doesn't matter what your color, how short, how tall, how skinny, how fat, doesn't matter. The guardian angel attaches the soul, silver cord to the embryo at conception. Now, whatever period 
And it's probably safe to say most people came out of their mom's womb, not out of a test tube, right? Mm -hmm. The amount of time we stay in the mother's womb, which is for most human beings, approximately nine months. At that time, when you exit the womb, whether it's natural birth or through C-section, the guardian angel ties the soul to the body at first breath. And they make a mark that we all have between our nose and our upper lip. And that's to make us forget so that we don't know where we came from. Now, some intuitives and psychics can see it. Some people know they have deja vus. But for the most part, we are experiencing time. And they say God only gives us really one completely free will choice. And that is whether we choose good or evil in response to the experiences that we have. And... At the time of exit of the body, that's when the rejoining of that knowledge comes back again. So mm -hmm. there's something very sacred about incarnations, and I think that's what astrology is. I think it is karmas being played out. I really do. I don't think people are born with wonderful lives, challenging lives, horrible lives, deformities, ingeniousness for just happenstance. I don't think God's sitting in the sky saying, let's make this one short, this one tall, this one smart, this one stupid, and this one fat, this one skinny, and this one have a bad life, and this one have a good life. Because it, when I studied Jyotish astrology years and years ago, starting it, and I still study it, because um, I'm always humbled by how complex it is, there are angels that rule every single degree in your chart, and everybody's is different. It's quite mm -hmm. astounding. And the deeper you get, the more you realize you don't know. It's, it's a, it blows my mind. Um, you can see how the parents were to you. You can see how your siblings were. And that's one of the things I do to question people in readings. I, I always say, well, you know, I'll bet your parent was this way. You know, the father and the mother was this way. And if they don't respond correctly, I, I then raise an eyebrow and I go, well, maybe I don't have a right birth time here. Maybe their birth time's off. And that, that's a really telling thing because usually it's right on. And the doshas, which is the time change throughout your life, which you can never be in the same place twice, is profound. I have witnessed it on my own life. It's almost like you have psychic karmic chains on you in certain periods and other times they fly off and things just move forward. And that's the value of astrology. And it also relates to medical astrology because I've seen people who have had severe transits. Like in India, there's a, a technique called sarisate, which is Saturn's transit of the moon. The nadi astrology, which is, I believe, much more advanced than even Jyotisha, is the root of Jyotisha. Um, you probably have heard of the nadi palm leaves, right? Uh, no. I haven't. Well, in India, many of the ancient hand-me-downs from particularly in southern India as well, there's a technique called Nadi. It's spelled N-A-D-I. You, you can Google it. Mm -hmm. it's a, I had one teacher. He's, he's not alive anymore. He blew my mind. He would sit there and say, oh, this person will get married here. They'll do this here. They'll die here. And then boom. I'm like, oh, my mm -hmm. God. How did you? That was so amazing. How did you do that? He goes, I just followed Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars. And the cycles and relationships to them with the doshas. I'm like, oh, my God. It's so profound. It's like we're living in a matrix of energy. And, you know, quantum physicists and scientists will tell you the only difference between, you know, the air we're modulating, speaking back and forth, and the electrons and the wires here is energy or a piece of wood or a piece of skin or uh, whatever substance we have. It's all electrical energies held in very specific, unique states. And 
of course, that makes up the com- extremely diverse complexity of molecules and all the other compounds that are together. But it's all energy. It can all be broken mm-hmm. down into energy. And I think when we live in this myop- myopic consciousness, it's very hard for us to come out of that. And um, it takes people like Gandhi and Mother Teresa and so many other wonderful people. You know, I mean, in the Christian things, the, the whole, uh, all of the great saints and prophets had said virtually the same thing, you know, that this world is a temporary existence and nothing that you amass here other than your consciousness will you take with you. The richest people in the world, in fact, the Egyptians tried this. They stuffed it all in the tombs, and it was still there when they checked hundreds and even thousands of years later. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) the thing we really take with us is our conscious self-awareness. And I believe that's what causes medical imbalances, too, is karma's dissipating out at various times in the life. And it's interesting because there's certain spiritual techniques very unique to Vedic astrology called remedial measures, gemstones. I prescribe gemstones for people that are profound. And I used to be a skeptic of gems, and I have found totally natural, untreated, not lab-grown gems set at good astrological times have helped people. I had one doctor in uh, West Hollywood. He was from India. And he, he called me up and he said, Jeff, he says, my father's in ICU. I said, OK. He says, what can we do? He says, I'm, I'm monitoring him. This was the first scientific proof I really had. We put specific, and that's what I love about Vedic planetary gemology, is there are certain stones you do want to wear and there are certain ones you don't. Because if you wear them, it can actually have a detrimental effect on your aura. And throughout history, kings and queens and emperors have always prized gemstones. They knew that they had an occult power. And I'm here to tell you, my opinion is they really, really do. Mm-hmm. I wear many stones of a certain type, and I abstain and avoid others that are not right for me, and everyone is different. The only way you can find that out is examining your Vedic astrological chart. You can't go by birthstones. The modern crap that they handed us with the birthstone stuff, forget that. It's fine, but it doesn't do what Vedic planetary gemology does. And I've had so many people call me back 10, 15 years later and say, you know, I I had the money and I figured I'd try it. And I'm amazed. It really had an effect. Uh, Or I don't feel suicidal anymore. Or I just feel better and I'm happier. I'm more, you know, buoyant. And, and etc. So that and there's certain mantras and there's also certain conscious things that you can do to correct the imbalances in the chart. So Vedic astrology is not you. It's looking at the imbalances we have maybe created. So moving on, for someone who is completely new to medical astrology, what's the process like? How do you first examine the client's health issues? I'm curious about that. Well, I look at their energetic imbalances. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, again, I can't practice medicine. So I tell them to go then either speak with a licensed professional like a doctor, a naturopath, and bring it up with them. Or if they want to pursue something on their own, I only tell them to do that with great caution, you know, study, get get some information because herbs are dangerous. They're very, very powerful. You don't just order a bunch of herbs and start taking them because you can really hurt yourself. It's really good to have a professional guide you through it. Um, That is something I don't do. What I do do is I'll tell you what the chart says. And then from there, they can pursue finding a way to get it properly. I can tell you like like turmeric is one of the most powerful antioxidants bar none known to man. It is uh, many people take the powder 
and it's used a lot in cooking and spices. But the better way is the raw turmeric root. Like I had one client, he was 84 years old, had a stroke, got on Coumadin. And um, Coumadin was very effective at helping him arrest his immediate condition. So, you know, pharmaceuticals do have their place. And he then, you know, said to me, well, what do you think about turmeric? I said, it's amazing. I said, but I would not start the turmeric unless you tell your doctor and ask the doctor if it's okay. Well, the doctor told him just exactly what I figured he'd hear. Don't combine the turmeric with the Coumadin because you can cause a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. So the doctor said, if you're going to do it, stop taking the Coumadin, which he did. And he, I said, keep seeing the doctor because the doctor is going to do the blood tests and monitor the cholesterols and all the other blood you know, parameters that are very critical. And that's what he did. And about six months later, the doctor said, my God, he said, that Coumadin is really working. He said, well, I got to tell you, he says, I stopped six months ago and I have been on nothing but turmeric. And the doctor says, well, your, your blood work is right on, he says, it's perfect. He says, you're like a 50 year old. And mm -hmm. I thought that was really interesting. And see, that's where it's, it is important for people. If you're going to use the medical advice that astrology gives you, which is really, I got to be careful with that because it's really not medical advice. It's the energetic read that you get from the imbalances. You still need to be careful at how you pursue correcting that. And you, you need to have someone who is proficient in dosages and administration mm -hmm. of herbs, because there's many ways. You can take it as a decoction, which is, of course, like a tea, or you can take it as a pill capped up in, in capsules. There are some people who do some very sophisticated, you know, combinations of herbs. And again, a naturopathic doctor is clearly a better and safer route to go, especially, again, I, I've had a lot of clients as pharmacists, and, and they've complained about the dangers of pharmaceuticals. Because, I mean, how often do you hear, even with the rigorous testing that goes on, a drug like Daravan that's been around since, you know, the 60s, I remember when that came out. And now we're hearing lawsuits for it, sure. you know, and people are, are suing this pharmaceutical company. Well, they just, you know, file for bankruptcy, you know, drain the checking account and head somewhere else. So they, they mm -hmm. start another drug. These are all separate entities. So it's very hard to be sure about anything. And the, the word I would use is take the knowledge and cautiously move forward. The best indicator is, is obviously health and uh, when someone's healthy and getting a result, that's a wonderful thing to do. But I would also say that medical astrology had another area that we could focus on, and that is the administration of an herb. Ancient astrologers would pick an auspicious time to start a purging cleanse, or they would pick an auspicious time to start a um, herb that would rejuvenate. Mm -hmm. And typically, they would use the moon and major planetary aspects that were positive for bolstering energies. And if they were purging, they would oftentimes use hard aspects. So I have a great body of medical astrology here. Um, I actually have an encyclopedia that was written back in the 1940s uh, by a number of Western doctors trying to promote this type of practice to be integrated into allopathic. Well, I'm here to tell you they didn't get too far and um, the pharmaceutical companies won and mm -hmm. um, they continue to dominate the industry. Um, and, you know, with that being said, there's, there's also a lot of really good things that, I mean, if we didn't have antibiotics, if we didn't have many of the medical pharmaceuticals, there'd be a lot more dead people 
uh, and longevity would probably not be as good. So, and it's going to keep getting more and more advanced. And the interesting thing I've heard is much of the pharmaceutical research stems from ancient apothecary or uh, herbal medicine. Mm-hmm. Not all of it, but a lot of it. And, um, you know, it's, it's gotten more and more scientific and um, it's going to continue to do so. I, I think we'll see a day when the knowledge of medicine is, is going to be quite fantastic, especially in when we get further and further into new technologies, lasers and, and micro technologies that, that are, are going to do things that are, and, and chemistry too. It's, it's absolutely amazing what it's done. The, the finest chemistry in the world, in my opinion, is plants. Mm-hmm, it's said mm-hmm. in many sacred documents, there is a plant to cure almost any ailment. Thanks a lot for sharing your insights and the story that you've shared so far. Based on what you've shared, if you had to tell one of your students or maybe one of our listeners who is yearning to learn more about astrology to go out in the world and take one action, what would that one action be? Well, you want to get reliable materials. There's a lot of materials. I have hundreds and hundreds of books on astrology. Some of them are okay, but I find there are certain ancient texts that are very obscure, and you need to have a teacher with them. Um, it's hard to learn it without a teacher, especially the Jyotish. It's such yeah. an ancient science. You can't tie it together just reading alone. You can come close, but that and experience and guidance is really important. And um, especially, again, I, I can't give people medical advice, and I would advise anyone who's pursuing medical astrology to work with someone who's very experienced with it. And again, in this day and age, you cannot advise people to take things unless, of course, it's it's really done in a controlled environment and, and preferably at all costs by, by a, a professional doctor who's been trained in those areas. There, there are many um, Ayurvedic uh, doctors that are out there. Uh, some of them are licensed here in the U.S. and some of most of them aren't. I, India is a lot different place. But I, I think I have a lot of clients who are in integrative medicine and they're in, in the many different areas of intuitive healing, uh, spiritual healing. Um, there is some very fascinating techniques that are very parallel to Reiki and Qigong Um Advanced healers can actually learn to control their etheric body, which is the one that moves your body through your intention. Science will tell us the brain has an intention to pick up a cup of coffee or turn a light switch on. And of course, your muscles respond to the neurological impulses down your spinal cord. But I think it's even deeper than that. I think there is a magical divine interface between your intention and that physical apparatus called the body and the neurological impulses and the, and the muscles. And that is called the etheric double. It's what science really can't figure out. And I don't know that they're ever going to unless they start looking at it in that theoretical model. And there's a lot of new sciences that are doing that. So why am I saying this is because many healers can actually learn to go into a tumor and heal it with light with a hand. Our physical hands can't go through the wall. But your etheric double can. You see, that can go through anything. That's the one that the so-called ghosts possess when we exit the body. It's the one we go into when we sleep every night and dream. 
and we come back into it. Again, modern science doesn't really buy this, but yet we have people in the military who are doing remote viewing. We see people with Qigong, uh, again, Reiki, and other healing modalities that really get a benefit. Action Drive, to access the show notes for this episode, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 146. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 146. The season of failure is the best time for sowing the seeds of success. This is a quote by Paramhansa Yogananda. Action Tribe, don't let an obstacle, a challenge or a failure stop you permanently. Instead, if you feel things are in a standstill, use the time to take action and build the momentum towards success. No matter how small the action is, these small steps will in time manifest into humongous results, but only if you notice them and take action. So remember, failure is the best time for sowing the seeds of success. And with that, Jeff, take us back to a time when you faced a major challenge. What was your initial reaction like and how did you overcome that challenge altogether? Uh, one of the major ones was when my mother passed away back in 1988. And that happened precisely on an astrological aspect known as a Saturn return. And most people, I have many clients, they always have some type of major karmic event that happens on these strong, powerful astrological aspects. And that really helped me to view her passing in a much more spiritual sense. Um, mm-hmm. And I had her to thank also to, to introducing me to this this really amazing and intriguing science because astrology really is a science when you look at it with the ancient techniques. It's astronomy scientifically applied is really what it is and uh, in a much different light. My wife just recently, I had warned her. I said, you know, you have Saturn conjuncting the sun. Now what that means is Saturn is aligning in a zero degree aspect to her sun. And I said, you have to watch your health. I said, you, you keep your stress levels down, you know, watch your diet, etc. And I said, you could have an issue. Saturn did what we call a station right over her son. She woke up at 4.30 in the morning, right when it happened, panicking, saying, I think I'm having a heart attack. And that is what I've heard from many people sometimes when that happens. And I felt her pulse. And sure enough, it was very regular and very weak. And Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, well, I should take her to the emergency room. It could take 20 minutes to half an hour. If she's really having a heart attack, she could be passed. So I quickly ran into my office, cast a chart, a prashna, and said, is she going to be okay? Should I rush her to the hospital or will she should be okay. I looked at the chart and said, you know, she's going to be okay. I went down, I made her some magnesium. It's a special drink called Calm. And I made her just a little bit of Hawthorne tea. Hawthorne berries are very good to balance irregularities in the heart. Mm-hmm. And I gave her that both. Within 10 minutes, she was almost normal. The pulse had had really uh, stabilized. And I don't think I could have gotten her to the hospital in 10 minutes from where we live. And and I don't know that we'd have had a response that quick. So again, you know, I, I wouldn't replace astrology for medicine, but I would say it's a great adjunct. It's another way to look at energetic imbalances. You know, again, me- medicine has brought us some wonderful, wonderful things. And you can't beat Western medicine in trauma. I mean, when you get in a car accident or things like that, it's it's absolutely astounding what they can do for people. Um, It's the chronic things that sometimes can't be answered through testing and MRIs that sometimes you can get some really wonderful insights. And in her case, that challenge was was really a wonderful thing to fall back on because I would have taken her to the hospital had it gotten much more severe. And, um, you know, it's, it's a wonderful 
interesting and fascinating ancient science. Love that. So as you look back at life, in just one sentence, what is that one major life lesson that you'd like to impart to our listeners today? That the world is a divine, spiritual, vibrating experience. Wow, that's amazing. It's like the Gaia prophecy. Like the Yeah, absolutely. There are angels around us we can't see or touch. They say there's an angel over every living thing. And I absolutely believe that's true. Now, we can't see them. We can't touch them. We can't feel them. But they're there. You know, you find somebody... Or take any of these computers that we all rely so heavily upon now. Have them come up with an idea. They can't. Artificial no. <laughs> intelligence can't come up with an idea. It can be programmed with a multitude of choices and ideas that someone else had, but it's not going to come up with one on its own. Human consciousness is one of, the, and so are animals, some of the most sacred and magical things in this universe. Never be replaced can't be replaced. Mm -hmm. Love that. So thanks a lot for sharing your story. I'm going to restate the main points that you shared so that this message can sink deep inside. You mentioned that your mother passed away in 1988 during a Saturn return. For me, I had the Saturn return, yeah. You had the Saturn return and that perspective, that experience helped you look at that uh, situation in a different way. Later on, uh, you had warned your wife about a Saturn conjuncting the sun. That morning, she woke up and she felt like uh, she was having a heart attack, as you mentioned. And it was a really difficult situation as uh, anyone might imagine you cast a chart you asked the prashna and the chart told you that she'll be okay you made her some hawthorn tea and the magnesium concoction that you spoke about due to the experience due to your ancient wisdom due to the study that you've conducted over so many years and due to your belief in the universe it worked your wife was okay and it sends our listeners a signal that that even though so many years have passed since people first developed these wondrous techniques of astrology and medical astrology, not just in one country, not just in a country like India, but also in China, in the West, in ancient Egypt, you know, it's about time that we sort of look back, read the right books, consult with the right experts and learn more about how we can improve our lives. So thanks a lot for sharing those stories and Action Tribe, remember one thing, that as you head out in life, you will need help, you need the support and wisdom of so many people around you. So don't be afraid to ask. You will need the awareness, the perspective and knowledge of those who have long gone by. So don't be afraid to read the right books. And there'll be moments when you doubt yourself, when you feel like an imposter. Your mind will tell you that you weren't made for such a life because failure is certain. At such a moment, remember the powerful words of Dr. Robert Schuller, who asked, what would you do if you knew you would not fail? So Jeff, I have to ask you, what is your life's calling as on today? Well, again, I, I find I enjoy doing this astrology work because it helps people. Um, and not mm -hmm. just in medical astrology. I do a lot of readings for people. I have a lot of business people where I prescribe gems. They say their performance is better. Um, mm -hmm. And letting people know their cycles. Also, compatibility in relationships is amazing. Usually when I do a reading, t today, readings have changed so much because of technology and the internet. I literally have clients all over the world I log them into my computer. They sit in the comfort of their own home and they can actually screen record and make a movie where I show them their location maps, the timing and the cycles and their charts. And it's all recorded on MP3. And they can, mm -hmm. uh, if they have a Macintosh, they can record it right on QuickTime. If they have a, a PC, they can get a program that records the screen. And it's amazing because they, they literally are making a movie of them. And I mean, it's amazing. I have people sitting, you know, all over the place. 
Texas, in Europe, in, in Asia, in Australia, South America, Canada, you, you name it. And they log right into, just like you, you're sitting where? In British Columbia right now, right? I'm in, I'm in Los Angeles, in Malibu area, and, and we're as clear as a bell. Instantaneous communication. So the, the internet has allowed astrology to really be communicated much more simply and effectively because I have a lot of people who don't know much other than their sun sign. And I have a mm-hmm. very visual presentation that helps them understand many things about their energies and cycles and timing. And um, again, Vedic astrology is an absolute amazing tool to spiritually kind of look at your life from 100,000 feet up, you know, from a different perspective. I have many clients who are in psychology, psychiatry, or spiritual work, and we all get in phases where we really question what is happening? Why is my life changing or relationships Mm -hmm. changing or jobs? And it's really a powerful tool to meet the changes and new challenges in a different light with more awareness. I I liken it to kind of an airline pilot. We used to, the the old airline pilots used to, you know, wipe off the window and see if they could see where they were going. Today, they look at radar and they see what's coming at them with amazing uh, accuracy and precision. And astrology is very similar to that. You see what the energetic changes are affecting you. And you change the greatest power a human being has over the world is their reaction to it. You may not be able to change what happens, but you can certainly change your reaction to it. That is so powerful. That's what they teach you in martial arts. That's what they teach you in many wonderful business techniques is how do you react to adverse conditions? And like you were saying earlier, sometimes failure really is success turned inside out. And this is the whole premise You know, many people know about the law of attraction, that that's been a buzzword now for 20 years and a very good one, I might add. But I would more appropriately call it the law of resonance because we attract what we resonate. More importantly, we attract what we believe. In Vedic astrology or in Vedanta, they have something called samskaras. Samskaras are literally thought form elementals that we all project all the time, unknowingly. This is why when we walk in a room, we can feel someone who's receptive to us, not just by body language, not just by the way they look and act and dress, but we feel energies. Energy. We're all very intuitive. And if, if we've been taught not to pay attention to that. We've, we've all been you know, pushed on externals and logic. But if we entrust our intuitive body and our intuitive mind, we feel things. And what we're feeling is the projection of that etheric energy known as thought forms. And again, this is Dr. Emoto, who was probably, you know, as you know, he passed away just recently. Um, I had an opportunity to see him in Tucson, Arizona. Amazing man. He gave scientific proof to what all the saints, the prophets, the avatars, the rishis, you name it, and the yogis have said from time immemorial, thoughts are literally things. He proved it in all his photographic work. He showed positive sacred thoughts come out looking like positive sacred geometry. Negative thoughts come out looking like gobbledygook or angry. Mm-hmm. Fear, worry, you know, hatred. And what's fascinating is to bring this even on a much higher scale. The scientists are all saying something really intelligent is happening in the universe that's creating matter. 
quantum physicists and string theory and, and advanced new sciences are saying something's bolting this all together in, a, in exceedingly intelligent ways. Well, in the ancient Upanishads and in many texts, particularly, there's one called the Sefer Hasitzim, which is a strange word in Hebrew. Sefer means book. Hasitzim means the restriction of God's light or light. And it talks about, and, and this is, when you get into numerology, astrology will blow your hair back. The moon in Vedic astrology is a very important issue. There are 27 nakshatras known as lunar mansions. Mm-hmm. Well, there's four divisions. Now, many people who do yoga, who do Ayurveda, they are familiar with what a japa mala bead string is. There's 108 beads on there. Do you know that the earth orbits the moon 108 times in nine years. What's 108? Nine. Mm -hmm. There are 27 lunar mansions with four divisions. What's four times 27? Nine. It's 108. See, which is nine. Mm -hmm. And to take it even further, the highest group of angels in the ancient biblical texts are known as the seraphims in the West. Mm-hmm. There's the seraphims, the cherubims, and the thrones. They are supposedly to sur- surround, and I believe they do, surround the throne of God. They chant the permutations of reality 10,800 times per hour. What's 10,000 plus 800? It's eight. It reduces down to nine, I'm sorry, to, to nine. So nine is a really sacred number. It means spiritual completion on the physical plane. This is why people chant mantras. They will do sacred things in variations of nine. Seven is also another. The numerology is, is absolutely astounding. There's nine planets used in Jyotish astrology. Mm-hmm. The Saturn in and then the, the moon's north and south node known as Rahu and Ketu. That's nine. So the numerology, again, I say, forget Trinity, Neo, and Morpheus, even though they were wonderful actors and the script was great. This is the real soul matrix. We are here interacting with our own created karmic energies that I believe we had a, a play in. And we're also interacting with other souls through experience. Everyone on this planet has had a time in their life when they said, oh, I, I felt the deja vu. I know I'd been here before, or I knew this person before, but I never met him. These oftentimes are very, you know, like peaks up over the top of the wall. Or if you like the Wizard of Oz, you look behind the curtain and you see that there's something else much deeper deeper than what we see here in reality. We see only with the three-dimensional five-sense precepts. Once we get past that, we're really lost. Even science can't speak in any terminology for the most part, other than a three-dimensional five-sense construct. Even when they talk about multiple, multiple dimensions in quantum quantum physics, it's still couched in three-dimensional five-sense terminology, because that's how we work. We ain't smart enough to figure creation out. And that's why most all of your prophets and saints and rishis, they talked about the angels communicated this information to them. And it's not a theory. It's a fact. In Vedic astrology, you want to tell me how they knew that not only did our solar system exist, they knew that our solar system went on a 26,000 year journey around a central sun. They knew that binary star system went around a galactic cycle 250 million years. There is no way they could have figured out all the stuff they did by sitting on top of camels and mountains watching stars. Not a chance. 
can't happen. Mm-hmm. You see, it's divine. It, it's been communicated. Some people will say they're extraterrestrial, um, but I think it's more divine than that, even though I think there is extraterrestrials. They're mentioned in the Torah and they're mentioned in, in the Gita and many other documents. Well, thanks a lot for sharing those amazing insights. I'm sure that I could have a conversation with you for hours and hours and learn so many different and new and exciting and amazing things about life, about spirituality and about the history of man on earth and beyond. Well, we have arrived at the last round for today, a rapid fire round called the wisdom round. Let me start by asking you, what is the best advice that you ever received? That you have to know that you don't know what you don't know. Love that. Name a personal habit that you'd like to encourage our listeners to adopt. To all of us to be more mindful with gratitude. Most people are not appreciative when we all take that hot shower every day turn a light switch, we don't realize how much those little things matter. Your health, and speaking of health, is probably the most important thing. I've had so many wonderful clients who I've seen pass away with diseases or old age, and you don't realize how precious that, that health is until it's not there and you see someone else suffering. It's, it's really, uh, I think, jilting, and it makes us appreciate. Like Deepak Kupfer, he he'd said it correctly. We create so many amazing chemicals in our body through having and holding certain emotions. And uh, we're creating very positive elementals as well. So that, that's why appreciation and gratitude for what you have, you know, and family and love and all that. So it's such an important thing. It's an amazing thing that none of us really appreciate enough until it's gone. So what is your morning routine like? Well, it really varies. I, I now have a son who's in high school. So mm-hmm. um, usually I get up pretty early to help him on his way. And um, I'm, I'm usually quite busy in that area. I like there's certain... Uh, meditations I like to do before I go to bed. And I often do those then rather than like I used to do early in the morning, just because he's now in school and it's easier to get done. So name an inspiring book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners. Well, I have a a number of them, but I I think The Divine Life is certainly one that I like, uh, which is a, a wonderful book and text. I really appreciate Uh, many of the sacred texts in Vedanta, the Upanishads. And again, that book that I had mentioned before, it's called Veda and Torah, Transcending the Textuality of Scripture, Mm -hmm. is a really amazing book. It's by Barbara Holdridge. There's many that I like. I I really appreciate. Um, I have become uh, very enamored with certain ancient texts in the Rig Veda, also, the again, I mentioned the Sharha Gilgam is very, um, very amazing. The, another guy that I like an awful lot because he parallels many of these things is a man named Daskalos, who now isn't in the body anymore, but many people know him. He was in Cyprus, known as the Magus of Strobilos. He was an, a par excellence healer. He would never take anything for it. He promoted consciousness and awareness in all religions, and he was an amazing guy. He wrote wrote a, a book called The Esoteric Practices, which actually teaches people how to do healings on themselves and others, and more importantly, to dissipate karmic negative energies in the aura and, and replace them with better ones, which is what the attempt of most religions originally, I believe, was for, um, was to try and better. And some of the religions have slipped from that original practice. Some of them have it. 
Well, thanks a lot for sharing. Action Tribe, to access today's show notes, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 146. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 146. So Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your wisdom with us and inspiring us to take some more action, to go learn some more about astrology, read books, and also to consult with experts and jyotishes like you mentioned. Before we go, tell us one thing that you are really grateful for and tell us the best way we can find you online. Oh, I'm grateful for a lot of things. Again, I'm grateful to be able to help people with astrology. And I'm really grateful for my family. I've got a really wonderful wife and, and child. And, and I'm, that, to me, was one of the most magical things that's ever happened to me by far. And um, how people can get a hold of me is jeff at jeffharmon.com. That's uh, J-E-F-F at jeffharmon. That's with an A-N, not an O-N, H-A-R-M-A-N.com. So it's just my name, jeff at jeffharmon.com. And uh, my wife actually worked with me and I'm very grateful for her as well because she's wonderful at helping me with clients. I call her the gatekeeper because she really can deal with people in a very congenial and knowledgeable way. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm very blessed to have all these these clients that constantly work with me. And it's really refreshing to get a, a letter or a, a response back from someone years later that they you know, got direction through this science. And a lot of people like to credit me. And I say, well, I really am just a messenger. I'm just reading the energies and, and I'm very fortunate to be able to do so. So it's, it's a divine science. It really is. It's not predicting the future, as some people criticize. It's really looking at energetic unfoldment of energies in what we call time. So there you go, Action Tribe. If you want to learn more, then you definitely have to check out Jeff harman.com visit the website we'll have that in the show notes if you want to reach out to jeff directly if you have a message if you want to thank him for sharing his wisdom or if you have a question then jeff at jeffharman.com j-e-f-f at jeffharman h-a-r-m-a-n.com you can send him an email and take action so jeff thank you so much for coming on our show reminding us about the power of astrology and taking us one step closer to a human revolution all right well aj thanks for having me on it was very enjoyable you are listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.